How's it going? Today on the Black Tie Fair, Patrick and I celebrate our 10th episode with a special guest. We also have a conversation about Easter's. Which one was more bubbly versus which one was more wild? And finally, we talk about whether or not you put your hand over your heart during the national anthem. Take a listen. Welcome again to the Black Tie Fair, the show where two friends talk about politics, pro sports, and pop culture. Kinda. I am one of your hosts, Jelani, and to my left... Pity Pat! Pity Pat? I do pity you for saying something <laughs> that stupid. I pity you. Pity Pat, pity Pat! Stop. I don't want you to talk anymore. Um, Guys, we are on our 10th episode. Number 10. You... Now that, that actually, I like that. I deserve that. Yeah. Keep it up, keep it up. That you add five, and you add five, and you get ten. And that's where we are at right now. So thank you, everyone, for continuing to listen to us. We've been getting a bunch of feedbacks and comments that have been awesome. We've been people that have been listening to us uh, globally. Yeah, to the guy or girl who's listened to us in Canada, shout out to you directly. <laughs> Whoever you are. Also, in the Bay, we got a few listeners in San Francisco and in Arlington, Virginia. There's somebody out there listening to us quite a bit. So thank you to that person on the East Coast. We appreciate all y'all out there. Um, this show is going to be a little bit different. It's a big-ass bonus episode. What do we have for him, Patrick? That's not normal. We got our first guest. Our very first guest. We have an interview with one of Patrick's really good friends. It's going to be incredible. So, gentleman, his name is Chris Unti. He is a presidential guru historian. He knows so much about the U.S. presidents that it blows our mind. It blew my mind, again, after the first time I met him. And I just met him for the first time right now, so my mind was exploded. So, he's going to talk a little bit about uh, the presidency, about the election, something that we've been dying to talk about for a long time. We really want to get Chris on, so uh, we want to... We're going to ask you guys to please bear with us with some of the sound quality. Um, it's not as uh, it's not as clear as our normal quality, but uh, we're working on it. Uh, so please part, pardon us if it's a little bit clunky and chunky. And with that said, let's get on into the interview. Listen up. So we are here with Jelani and Patrick and my good friend, Chris Unti. Hi, Chris. Uh, hey, guys. Great to be with you. Thanks so much for uh, being our first guest on our 10th episode here on, on the uh, Black Tie Affair. Woohoo! It's <laughs> a true honor. Really excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. Sounds really good. We're super excited to have you on here as well. <laughs> and Great. I got to tell you, from the day that we started thinking about this podcast, I uh-huh. wanted you on our podcast. Uh, he talked about you all the time. I, but you know what? Yes. I remember we were like, I think it was like November right around there, and I, I could, I sensed the excitement then, and so to have this come about again a few months later, it, wow, this is great, really, awesome, what an opportunity. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being here, Chris. Um, you yeah. have made me a true believer. Um, <laughs> I will get in just a moment, um, but I want our listeners uh, to, to hear a little bit about your background. 
Okay. Um, this is my good friend, Chris Angia. I work with him, but I want you to talk a little about your background and history and how how you got interested into, into politics and government. Sure. Absolutely. Um, from Iowa originally, so you, you really you can't avoid politics, obviously, with Iowa being the, the kickoff for the, the presidential campaign every four years. And then, you know, there's state and local elections going on always, too. Um, I, you know, I always, I think even growing up, I, you know, I always found history and, you know, U.S. presidency fast, you know, fascinating, but I really didn't, you know, dive into it till I, I went off to college and, and kind of realized I wanted, you know, politics and, and history to be, you know, a big part of, of who I was. And so I actually, I went to a small college and majored in, in political science there and um, did grad school at Iowa State as well. And then, you know, in the midst of, you know, this is 2002 through 2008, so an exciting time for, you know, U.S. politics with the 04, sure, 06, 08 elections going on. Um, but, yeah, just that that those classes I took then, you know, just the passion continued to build, and uh, especially for uh, the U.S. presidency, which I, I really fell in love with uh, during during those years um, back in Iowa before I came out to California. And and, and so um, fast forward a little bit, I am holding in my hand a 200-plus <laughs> page thesis, okay, that right? you wrote yes. back in 2008, my friend. <laughs> so just yes. for a little bit, what is this thesis? I'm going to okay. tell our listeners <laughs> here, it's titled Presidential Leaderships from President Washington to Bush and Beyond. Assessing presidents within the cycle circumstances of institutional expectations. So right. um, that is a paragraph in and of itself, Chris. Yeah, you tell me, I think I should have um, made the title a little why, longer. Don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me why uh, why you decided to write it, why you had to write yeah. it, what was it for, and then give yeah. us an overview of what's it about. <laughs> sure. So it's kind of funny how it all got got started. Um, obviously, I have a lot of respect for uh, you know both. Both political parties, I think it's healthy to have a, a good two-party system in the country. But I do lean a little more, you know, d- democratic on on the liberal side. And so I, I remember, you know, '04. It was really like my first like passionate election that I was part of, and just thought, you know, was not a, a fan of, of President Bush at the time, and really wanted him out of there. And so when he won again, I was just devastated, like just down and out and didn't know what to do and 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 just out of that i think came a a longing to really understand the presidency like are there are there trends are there you know patterns that can help one to understand so that when their candidate loses they don't have to feel like you know the world's about to end or that that things are going to fall apart and so um when i started grad school the following year I um you know wanted to look at some of the studies on the presidency and 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 read a few, you know, got a little background going on it. And then my second semester I um I came across a, a great um great piece of work. It was uh, Stephen Skaronik's the the politics presidents make. It was uh written in the 90s and updated a couple times since then. Um but just a fascinating, you know, read and and he, you know, really looked at the presidency as as one of, you know, asking the question, 
you know, our, our presidents, um, you know, really like our Lincoln and Franklin Roosevelt or even Reagan were these, you know, just these awesome, you know, man-made leaders that just had did everything right and, and just incredible policies and things like that. And then, you know, on the opposing side were Hoover and, you know, Buchanan, who was before Lincoln and, and others, just, you know, these inept failures and, you know, others are in between. Um, or, you know, Skoranek's point was, you know, are there you know, general patterns that come into play that, um, you know, repeat themselves throughout throughout history? And so I thought this fascinating and got a ton out of that. But um, I thought, yeah, I, think there's, I think there's more here. You know, Skoranek wasn't really big into like a predictable cycle. Like you could say like, all right, this election is going to happen this way and this is going to happen that way. It was more just general trends. And so I started to look at how he looked at, you know, the first presidents from, you know, George Washington obviously being first um, through John Quincy Adams. And I didn't think he was right in kind of how he looked at, you know, especially when comparing them to, to other, you know, presidents later on. Um, and I realized a couple other things. That, and before I knew it, there was some light bulbs going off. I'm like, wow, I really feel there's this six-phase cycle of, of presidential leaderships that, you know, we loop through um, every 30 to 40 years seems to be the pattern. And I'm like, okay, I, I think I'm onto something. I think I need to explore this and learn more about the history of all of our presidents and, and then and make the case for it. And so over the course of, um, you know, two or three years at Iowa State where I went to, to grad school. We, we got this down on paper. So what you notice is and, something uh, really interesting you know, about what Chris is saying about you know, presidents and essentially there being cycles to how presidents are actually elected. He's saying that it's almost predictable that you can say, okay, this type of president's going to be here around this time, and that kind of president's going to be here around this time. And it gets really interesting after that. And we'll move forward a little bit, but he's just breaking down the fact that once he noticed that this was the case, he wanted to really go ahead and dig deep into the thought that maybe what we're seeing here is not some kind of crazy misunderstanding, but something you actually could predict. And it gets even more fascinating when he goes through the actual six cycles. They are almost predetermined. There are six cycles that you are able to identify throughout right. history, uh, yep. American history, to show that this stuff is not just happenstance. It's repeating over and over. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I know, right? And, I, I mean, it's it's not to say, like, everything's preordained. I think, like, the issues that we talk about in our politics are constantly changing. You know, we're not talking about... You know, whether or not to have a national bank, which is, you know, the big issue back in, you know, the Washington cycle. And we're, we're not talking about ending slavery anymore like we were, you know, during Lincoln's cycle or things like that. So the issues are changing, but I think how we deal with those issues, you know, and whether or not we're able to make big changes on them, um, quickly or slowly or in between, that sort of give and take is, um, is constant throughout American politics. And, and in a way that's and part of one of my conclusions at the, all of this is I think it really shows that, that you know, our constitution is, is really working. That, um, you know, the founders designed our government so that 
yes, we could make changes. Um, but once those changes are made, let's have a healthy, you know, long debate about, you know, the next set of changes before we just implement them right away and set oh, up all these checks and balances in order, order to do that, obviously. Chris, I'm going to read directly from your thesis here, Ken. I want you to elaborate on this, okay? Yeah, yeah. It says here, and it's a very big, it's like the second page, okay? It says yep. here, the question I seek to address is whether these leadership circumstances of our various presidencies can be formulated into a defined cycle. Mm-hmm. I will argue here that indeed they can. I will yep. argue that not only do such leadership cycles exist, they exhibit six distinct reoccurring phases or steps each with its own distinct complex of circumstances that find the relationship of the president to the institutional expectations of governing. What are these six cycles you're talking about, these six yeah. phases? Yeah, the six phases in each cycle, absolutely. Uh, well, I, let's let's maybe go just quickly through, like, what I'd say are the last two, you know, phases of, of, of American uh, politics. Um, and so, you know... The, the very basics of each, uh, each of the six, you know, there's basically, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an end, you know, to the size there are to, you know, anything that's, that's duplicating itself. And so in the beginning, it's, it's what I called like, uh, the kind of the reconstructive phase of, of American politics. And so I'd argue that Franklin Roosevelt and, and Ronald Reagan, again, you don't have to agree with, what they did as presidents, but those two really, I think, have made the biggest, you know, lasting impact on our our politics over the last almost you know 80 plus years now. You know, FDR with obviously the New Deal um, and just working us through World War II and, and setting us up for the aftermath, and then Reagan really, I you know, over the last 40 years, really setting up this era of you know really like you know, government is the problem, you know, big military. Um, let's really focus on, you know, benefiting you know, the most affluent among us at, um, to help those that, you know, that sort of theory um, has really driven our, our politics. And and so these guys come in at a time when you know, things had fallen apart from the previous era. Uh, obviously, Herbert Hoover, uh, you know, had a, an unfortunate time to be president with, you know, the Great Depression happening and really an era of Republican politics coming to an end. So FDR comes in. Um, Reagan comes in um, at the end of after President Carter, who, who um, kind of finished up the kind of the Franklin Roosevelt era of American politics. And then after that kind of first reconstructive phase, um, I, I call them the the great sons who who come in and and really articulate um, what their predecessors were trying to do, and they happen to be from the same party. So we had uh, Truman uh, come in after Franklin Roosevelt, and then we had um, George the first Bush come in to you know try to carry on with again what they were doing. Um, and it it's good; it seems to be working well. But because we're in a you know, a competitive uh, political dynamic. You know, the other party just isn't going to you know sit down and go away. They want to try to figure out how to how to get elected again. They've lost three or more elections in a row now. We've got to figure out how to get back. And so, I think you know, in the third phase, um, it's um, it's like a tweaking or like a, a moderating phase is, is how I would describe it. 
And so the, you know, these guys, I think they realize like the country's obviously pretty pleased with the direction of our political climate, you know, with what Roosevelt and Truman were doing or what Reagan and the first Bush were doing. Um, so you get these moderate presidents from the other party that, that come in and, and Eisenhower and, and Clinton, um, who, I, you know, I think a lot of historians look at you know, those guys as very moderate, you know, doing some things that, you know, were in line with uh, their era and others just to kind of tweak and correct things. The economy typically booms uh, during this third phase of of uh, the cycle. You know, Jefferson, I, I made the cases in this this phase, and you know that's when the Louisiana Purchase happened. And Eisenhower obviously had uh, the post World War II, you know, economic boom and all the suburban homes and things coming up during that time. And Clinton had the the technology uh, you know revolution with computers and everything, which was great. So this happens. Um, and, and then we're, you know, halfway through the, the cycle there. And I think, you know, at, at this time, the country's, you know, as a whole is starting to look like, well, you know, we really, we had a big reconstruction and we moderated it. Now what do we do? Um, and so in, in phase four, you know, looking back through history, we, you know, will elect another person from the, the same uh, party as how we started the cycle. And so, in 1960, we uh, went with President Kennedy, and then um, after his unfortunate assassination, obviously, Lyndon Johnson became president. And then in 2000, we went with um, uh, the, George W. Bush, um, became president then. It's also really interesting, you go back through history, and uh, these elections are always really, really close. I don't think it's coincidence that, that it's happening. Remember, you know, 1960, Kennedy and a really close election with President Nixon, and and then in 2000 with Gore, um, you know, and the second Bush being in such a close election. I think uh, 19 or 1844, James Polk when he won, and the Jackson era was in the in the same sort of uh, situation there too. And so that, but that regardless, you know, the the party um, that began the era comes back into play in, in the fourth phase of our, what I call a, a grandson articulator uh, of the cycle. Um, and these guys, they they try to you know kind of go back to the way things were. You know, George W. you know does the big tax cuts just like Reagan did. JFK, LBJ do some more great society programs and, and mold of like what was going on in the New Deal. Um, the fourth phase, we always seem to get into like some sort of you know, foreign policy conflict that that doesn't go so well. That was another interesting you know, pattern that I that I took a look at. So obviously, we most recently had the Iraq War that didn't go so well. Uh, Vietnam. I made the case that James Madison was in this this phase back in the Washington era, and that's when the, the War of 1812 happened. Or President Polk had the the Mexican War uh, during his time period. And it's almost as if one of the reasons they don't go well is the other party is, is strategizing, like, maybe we could, you know, turn this foreign policy conflict into a quagmire and, and, and use it as a way to start to regain our footing and, and become, you know, in a, a stronger position to become the majority Wait, again. Chris, yeah. one, one second. I apologize for interrupting. No, so it's fine. That's what happened in a situation where you have it almost like, it's used like political chess, where actual wars, things where people are getting hurt and killed, are used to kind of sway the political um, the political climate in somebody else's favor. That happens. Well, I mean, it's 
I think, you know, whatever issue we're talking about, right? I mean, it, it's, it's so, it's always healthy and a heart, you know, beat of our democracy is just this constant political, you know, debate and discourse happening. And so, yeah, yeah. I think if, if there's a, you know, conflict that's going, you know, that's happening and it's not, it's one that, you know, is worth questioning why we're there, why we're doing it. I think the other party, um, wants to, you know, maybe it's not specifically for, you know, political purposes. That might be part of it. But I think it's, um, it's certainly worth, you know, que- them questioning whether or not we should be, you know, in this conflict or not. And so, yeah, yeah in the, so, phase four, you just, you, you see a pattern of, um, you know, the party not in power, you know, questioning this foreign policy war that these presidents have, have gotten us into. So. And, and so, Chris, you said there's six. So where do the other two phases come in? Because I, I, I'm dying right now, Chris. I'm dying to ask you about okay. Trump and about yeah. Obama or- and about how <laughs> this happened. Well, so good, good timing, Patrick. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, again, we've reconstructed, we've tweaked, we've articulated. And the other parties starting to gain a little bit better footing, um, but we're not quite ready for our next reconstruction. So phase five is, you know, is a, a second tweaking, or you know, a second, you know, a preemptive way of the other party coming in and trying to alter, you know, things. And um, I think Nixon uh, was in this phase during the FDR era, and then Ford once once Nixon was impeached. Um, there always seems to be a lot of. Um, you know, different um uh what's what's the word I'm trying to think of uh just you know we had the the Hillary Clinton you know Benghazi thing going on during phase oh. five and Nixon you know got impeached and a lot of different things like that but anyhow um I would make the case that Obama was actually in in phase five of of the Reagan era of American politics. I think he probably wanted to be the next, uh, you know, FDR, but it just wasn't the time. So he's the setup guy. And so, you know, these guys, again, they're they're moderating things. You know, I I think, you know, Obama did come in and he, you know, he bailed out, uh, you know, continued the bailout of, you know, the big banks, um, which, you know, one could look at as kind of an... Now, what Chris is saying here is incredible, interesting. Basically, at the fifth stage, there's another reconstruction that takes place, or there's a setup, apparently, for the next reconstruction to take place. And that's where Obama comes in. Obama, it's transformative as he may have been in a lot of our opinions, was actually quite moderate. And his changes were not as significant as this next level will end up being when it gets here. But before the setup, there has to be just a little dip. That dip would basically be our current president and his administration. Think about that. And then, um, again, this, if, if, if we're on to something, and as, as we talked about, Patrick, I, I, think, I think we are. The, the sixth phase is uh, the, the fallout guy. And these guys, you know, you feel, I, I feel bad for them in, in a way just because it's, <laughs> it's, it's an impossible leadership position. You know, you, you get we're Hoover. Who, about, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I want yeah. to stop you. We are talking about Trump right now, right? We are All talking right. about yeah. Trump and, and who other in the in those most recent – Presidential history, we talk about. So Trump is yep. one of we're talking about being the fall guy. And who are the other two in history has shown to be the fall guys? Yeah. So, um, 
But John Quincy Adams, uh, at the end of the Washington era, this was way back in the first cycle, but yeah, he actually lost uh, not only the popular vote, but the uh, electoral college vote as well back in uh, 1824. <laughs> I know, I'm just pulling, I'm, yeah, I'm showing off, right? So, um, <laughs> but on yeah. top of that, the fact that he lost so bad afterwards, like, yeah. he definitely the ball guy that way. <laughs> so we had Jack Quincy Adams, and then more recently, obviously Herbert Hoover and uh, President Carter. I, I think had the unfortunate, yeah. you know, to, and I have so much respect for President Carter, but it was just a tough time to lead. He had, um, a, you know, the, and the party, the Democratic, you know, liberal wing, you know, rooting again, you know, really upset with him because he wasn't going liberal enough, and then the Republicans, you know, that were you know, just fed up with him to begin with and didn't want to give him a chance. It was just a tough time, and then add into that an economic collapse, inflation really high, and it's just, it was a big challenge. And I really feel that's what Trump is facing, you know, right now as well. And what's always funny is these guys, you know, before they become president, they're, they've done, they've done well. I mean, you look at Herbert Hoover and, you know, just a great engineer, same with President Carter, you know, they both, you know, did, some, you know, some great things to, you know, in their pre-presidential life, you know, and, and I, you know, Donald Trump, you know, even with, you know, his businesses obviously been successful around the world in some, in some regard and um, obviously had a great run on The, the Apprentice um, yeah, on NBC. But, um, yeah, they get in there and it's just, you know, the, the Donald's facing some really tough circumstances right now. He's, you know, the Democratic, you know, liberal wing is obviously not, doesn't want to work with him at all. And then you've got just as um, you know another interesting that President Carter had uh, seventeen he, in the 1976 primary had seventeen Democrats in that primary I think it was. <laughs> and so in yeah 2016 here we are again it's the other you know flip it around but we had sixteen Republicans which I think shows a very fractured you know party trying to figure things out and that's what that's what we're seeing right now uh, in Washington with our, our first few months of the, of the Trump administration. Okay, I think I, I understand what you're talking about, Chris, but I'm looking, I was reading an article on the Washington Post that Patrick actually forced me to read. Um, but it was really interesting <laughs> to talk about, you know, the difference between these disjunctive and these reconstructive presidents, so these presidents who are really yeah. changing and making errors, and these, these presidents that are kind of like in the middle and, and kneeling about, and the presidents kind of, like, like you said before, these fall guys who basically everything is almost against them, and it's like, okay, they are in a quagmire in and of themselves as being the president at all, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it, it's almost like the country saying, um, okay, we we tried this set of ideas and ways for a while, as we did, like you know, when Reagan was elected, and it and it worked pretty well then, and then we tried them again under you know the second Bush, and they were working okay then, and it's you know right now I think we're as a country saying, all right. We're really pretty sure we're we're done with this whole, you know, Reagan way of 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 doing of doing things. But we just we want to triple check. So we're gonna, um, you know, elect well, one more Republican, and then, and this is what's kind of fun because the cycles pretty much um, throughout you know history. If one party leads one, um, then it flips um, towards the next cycle for the other party leading another. The one exception um, was Teddy Roosevelt um, when we went moved from the third to the fourth one of these cycles, and, and Teddy, uh, for those of you that don't know, is you know just a 
he was a great guy. He's actually my favorite president and, and just had a way of his energy and his enthusiasm, you know, uh, alone and you know, kind of, um, spearheaded its, its own, own cycle. But that's, we can go into that another time. But what I, what I like, what I think is interesting is that I think, uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm fairly, I feel really good about, you know, being able to say that I, I think we're headed to a, you know, the next, uh, you know, democratic wave here and, and, and the next uh, election in 2020. Um, we'll, so we'll, Chris, Chris, yeah. I'm going to stop you there because I'm going to toot your own horn right here, okay? So okay. out of that same exact article that, that Lonnie was, that Joanne was referring to to the Washington Post that you actually referred me over to back in May of 2016, before right. the election was close to being finished, before, this political scientist says, and I quote, uh, their theory of presidential leadership, leadership suggests if Trump were to be elected, his presidency would end the Reagan era. Trump could be such a disastrous president that he would open the way for a transformative Democratic Party candidate to win the presidency in 2020, overcome congressional opposition, and put in a place a 21st century New Deal. Chris, do you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, hands down, I, I, I really see that that's where we're headed. Um, I, and it, it just, it, and it makes sense in a way. I mean, we've been, you know, having a big discussion about, you know, healthcare and immigration and, um, trade and, you know, should we have stronger gun control and, and a lot of other issues for, for a while now. I mean, really since I, you know, got in, you know, to politics in the early 2000s. We've been having this, you know, 10, 15, what will soon be 20 year debate. And it, it, it you know, we're about, uh, as we've seen throughout history, you know, they uh, just, you know, look at the slavery issue, for instance. You know, it was really the, you know, 1840 to 1860, you know, time frame where they really had some really strong debates about and made some changes to that, just as I think over the last 20 years we've had. A lot of discussion and debate about what we should do about healthcare, and so um, I, it, it makes sense that we're about ready for another time where you know, we're going to open things up and allow um, a lot of new policies. I, I love that you know the 21st century New Deal. I, I think that that's very creative, and I think we'll we'll definitely see that. We're, we're just about there, but but, but I want to add a couple more things in. Oh my God. Uh, I want a right. lightning round, Chris. Okay, these okay. are lightning round uh, three three word answers. Okay, it could be yes or no. Okay. Okay. Um, is are the Democrats going to take back the House in 2018? You got to tell me yes or no. Yes. 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 It okay. might not be a huge majority, but it'll they'll take it back. They'll take okay. Chris is putting it on wax, okay? Okay, go. we're putting it's it on. Recorded. It's recorded now, Chris. Okay, the second question I have for you, okay. Um, will Trump have a second presidency? No, he will not. It'd he be very historic. Have... Yeah, he will not, no. I could have done that one. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, will Trump be impeached? I'll say no. Um, no. James okay. Buchanan and the, I mean, there'll be talks of it. The 1850s, Buchanan, who was before Lincoln, had a lot of the same controversial things going on. I think the the Whig and the Republican Party at the time chose to let him fall on this 
these things rather than you know go after and impeach him. I, I see the the Democrats doing something similar with President Trump. Um, wow. So, um, yeah. so so as much as you had literally given folks our our our, our listeners a schooling on presidential history, <laughs> the longer <laughs> I look at him, I get bamboozled about how much you know. So I'm just gonna randomly throw out a date for you. I'm home. Okay, go. No, no, real quick. Okay, um, what year was Andrew Jackson elected? Yeah, he was elected twice, 1828 and 1832. Goodness gracious! I didn't even know he was twice. I didn't know he was twice. Yeah, he was. He was one of the big guys in the cycle. One of the reconstructed guys, just like. Reagan and, and Teddy Roosevelt and, and and Lincoln, yeah, he he led an era of American politics. Chris, you are a monster. You are a presidential historic historian monster. I gotta tell you. Um, well, so I saw. So I want to thank you once again for coming on our podcast, our first guest out. If you guys want to read this, let me know. Um, I will ask Chris. We will scan it and try to put it on a PDF for you. It gives you some nice reading. It says president presidential leadership. From presidents Washington to Bush and beyond, assessing presidents within the cycle circumstances of institutional expectations. Chris, I am going to ask you that we reserve you as our in-house presidential historian, that we will bring you on from time to time to, in, 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 in many ways, just help us keep the faith that, hey, that your conversation <laughs> will, you know, will continue. Deal. Absolutely. I'm so honored, guys. I really appreciate your time and, and, Congrats on on your podcast and where it's going. It's going to be great. Thanks so much, Chris. We will have you on again. Again, Chris Unchi, he is the guy who's going to keep us playing nice and warm and safe and knowing that Trump will not be around much longer. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Chris. All right. Take care, Thank you, buddy. Okay. Bye-bye. So, Jelani, mind blown? Like I mentioned before, exploded. It's such an interesting and... Fascinating topic to know that these things are cyclical and quite honestly, these things are, there's a framework for it. It's not just random. Yeah, because like he said, you know, it seems like it came out of nowhere as far as when we're looking at it. It's like there's no, no way it makes sense. But the thing that the history spoke for itself was like even when a situation came up where he almost doubted himself, it's like, no, because the history just, the history is just the history. It's. It's going to happen the way it happens. And even if it was a situation where he didn't even want it to be that way, it still followed the cycle that it follows. You know, and I spoke to Chris about, you know, okay, if Hillary Clinton were to have won, he would not have wanted that. He said because Hillary Clinton would have been the fall guy. And the revolutionary or the the FDR type figure was going to be a Trump-esque or someone like that going far right going swinging far to the right on the other side yeah exactly no i totally understand because in your article that we mentioned in our interview as well it talks about that reconstruct i mean that reconstructive and then that disjunctive and so it was she would have been the fall guy and she would not been able to bring that revolution that new turnabout that's going to most likely happen now so expect it 2020 it's a whole new day a whole new don't you dare close your eyes. So we will be in, we will bring Chris back on again. I think it's important for us to always feel nice and safe and cozy. So just when we think things aren't going our way, we can bring Chris on and he'll make us feel nice and warm and comfortable and feel good. And with that said, Patrick, what's new? So uh, we're going to try to keep the news a little bit lighter today because we had a lot of heavy uh, presidential stuff with 
with Chris and the interview. And so um, the first thing I want to talk about is Georgia. Sweet Georgia. So, Georgia, Lonnie, remember I said last week that there was an election, a special election coming up in Georgia? Yeah, I was actually following along with that on Twitter, to be quite honest with you. I saw some stuff about that. Well, it was a Georgia's second congressional race. Now, this was a special election held for an empty seat, and it came so close to the Democrats getting it, Jelani. For the first time in like 30, 40 years. Yeah, that guy, he was uh, like a young dude. He's like talking about flipping the sixth, right? Yeah, Osaf. He's basically 30 years old. He was a, congr- a former congressional staffer, really congressional intern. Um, and he, <laughs> yeah, and he ran for office. 30 years old, um, in the deepest, darkest, reddest of places in Georgia. Um, but, you know, a funny thing is that uh, he needed at least 50% of the vote to win outright to avoid what's called a runoff in June. And he only got 48%. Think about that. He only got 48. Only 48? That sounds so minute but when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. That 2% ended up being a pretty big margin. Yeah, 2% ended up being about 4,100 votes. So quite quite a big margin. Um, but he was running against 11 Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> so he got 48% when he went against 11 people. I think Georgia wants to flip, and he just had a situation where it was stacked against him. 11 people? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that, that's why this election was so important, because uh, Trump only won by less than 1% in this district. So it was right for Democrats to be able to take. And for those who don't know what a runoff is, what ends up happening is that if you don't get if you get more than 50 percent of the vote, then there's no more runoff. There's no more extra election. Then you win outright. But when you have a situation where no candidate gets more than 50 percent of the vote, then the top two candidates will actually go to another election in June. Okay, so. He's not done done, but he has to have he, his fight continues. Yes, the fight does continue, but more likely he is done. The reason why is because, um, you know, those 11 Republicans we talked about, they all split up the vote. But this is a Republican district. So what's going to happen is going to be Republicans against Democrats and Republicans are not going to vote for a Democrat. So they're going to coalesce around the one Republican and they're going to vote them in. And as a matter of fact, his, his opponent, which I'm not even going to say his name, the Republican candidate, is actually a former Secretary of State for that state. Um, so there's a lot. She has a lot of history, a lot of ground game. It's going to be close. It's going to be very, very close. Um, but in all likelihood, if the Democrats were going to win this seat, they should have won it um, on Tuesday. Ah, well, on to the next race. So we'll see you again, Trump 2018. Yeah. Um. So moving on. To uh, something that was near and dear to my heart. Did you hear what happened to uh, O'Reilly? O'Reilly got the boot. O'Reilly got fired. Absolutely. So if you guys don't remember, I'm actually going to lead into this one because I actually know about this one. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about Bill O'Reilly and his sexual harassment cases that were all over the place. But it wasn't really affecting anybody until what happened? Until them dollars started disappearing. Once that happened, then Fox took notice and said, oh, sorry, people who give us money. We, we, don't, we don't like him either because he wasn't bringing that, those dollars and it didn't make sense. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there? It didn't make sense to keep him on. And I think it's important for people to realize that when you, I mean, you can make change. 
you can make change. And what ended up happening is that you affect it at the at that where the money is, right? You follow the money. So if you can't get, there's no way, there's no way in God's green earth would Bill O'Reilly ever have gotten fired if the sponsors didn't run away. Absolutely. That's just not going to happen. So what has to happen is that if if you find a candidate or you find someone who you don't like, find out who funds them. Where does their money come from? With Bill O'Reilly, they had sponsors. So what happened is people not only called to Fox News, but they also called to Mercedes-Benz and to Jaguar and to Lexus and Range Rover and all these hosts of other companies and said, we do not like that. It's not good for our image, not good for our brand. And sure enough, they... Let Bill O'Reilly go. Exactly. It's all money-based. You got to consider the fact that all these things are, you have to think about their motivation. In general, these people are motivated by the bottom dollar. So if a situation where their bottom dollar is effective negatively, they're going to say, okay, I'm, what can I cut to make sure that the bleeding stops happening? I'm going to go ahead and carterize this wound as quickly as possible. And if that wound happens to be named Bill O'Reilly, well, then fuck Bill O'Reilly. That's true. So, and Bill, for for those who don't watch Fox News, who don't understand, he is the number one star on that entire network. 90% of the day, there's like garbage. And the only shining bright star in terms of money and real revenue is is Bill O'Reilly. It's not good. So, uh, progressives and liberals, stand up, cheer. It's your time. Fight with your wallet. Moving right along to some... I don't even know about this. Go, just tell me, tell me, tell me this. Well, remember we talked about North Carolina. Why do these stories we keep keep pick keep coming back into the news stories again? <laughs> Bill O'Reilly was supposed to be a small story that we didn't really we, we talked a little bit about it. We talked about sponsors. We moved on from it. And same thing with North Carolina, right? We talked about them a few weeks ago regarding their gender ban bathroom bill. Yeah, well, they just won't stop. They now want to go back and ban gay marriage again. In now, North Carolina. Wasn't gay marriage already made the law of the land by the Supreme Court? Absolutely. So Republican uh, North Carolina lawmakers introduced a bill that would ban gay marriage just two weeks after the state repealed and replaced its controversial bathroom bill law that we talked about. Now, once transgender, excuse me, that's the one that said transgender people have to use public bathrooms to match the sex on the birth certificate, right? Now, some lawmakers are saying they want to go back and tackle gay marriage. Because remind you, Lonnie, back in 2015, the Supreme Court made gay marriage legal across the country. Exactly like I said, yeah. So supporters of this new North Carolina bill say the Supreme Court overstepped their boundaries and they um, want to make uh, gay marriage not a thing anymore. Let me go ahead and real quick, for a quick second, respond to this, which is how silly this actually is. So basically, what you're saying is, all right, if the Supreme Court does something that I don't personally agree with, then they overstepped. When the Supreme Court made it so that money became an actual uh, a piece of voting, like it became free speech, I'm mad about it, but it's not them overstepping. That's just them making their decision. That's them doing their particular job. It may have been um, like not thought out the right way or the way that I would agree with, but it's still the law of the land. So saying that it's overstepped because I just don't personally agree with it does not make any sense. And also, what are you losing if someone who is gay gets married? What happens to your marriage? Nothing happens to your marriage. So it, it, it does not make any sense at all. Yeah, I don't know why that they're doing it. There's got to be some reason because clearly, clearly it's a, just a stunt. It's, it's just a way to, to posture in some way. It's not, it's not going to affect anything. But um, just keep 
folks, keep an eye on North Carolina because I'll tell you this much. A lot of companies like the NCAA, the college t- tournament, they, they had said, hey, look, we're not going to have our tournaments in North Carolina. The NBA had said, that you know, that's fine. They could not be open to hosting the All-Star game. They're, they think no one's watching still. So they keep passing crappy laws like this. Um, those sponsors and those organizations and companies and schools and tournaments can still pull pull away from your state. Once again, talk with your wallet. Now, with that said, we got all the news out of the way this time, didn't we? We got our interview and all those news segments. I think it's time for that weekend wrap-up. So it was Easter weekend, Lonnie. It was. It was a day that we celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He I'm came sure, back. I'm sure you did stuff that would be worthy of Jesus Christ. That's exactly to, what I... To, to, yep. to look favorably on, right? Yeah. That's what you did. That's Yep. All right. So, so I'm going to talk about um, my clean... Uh, scrubbed weekend because I don't want to get into your debauchery. I, I don't, I don't want to be on the microphone after you talk about the stuff that you may or may not have done. I don't even know what you're talking. Go by, by all means. So we had a day, uh, a four day fun festival with my daughter and my nieces. Um, on Friday, uh, I took my nieces and my daughter out to a bubble fest. The hell is a bubble fest? <laughs> a bubble fest. Um, that actually could be a name of a nightclub. <laughs> I probably go to that. Uh, you probably go. He's like, I want to go bubble fest, but but it wasn't that kind of bubble fest, Lonnie. Okay, okay. I would hope not. There's children no, involved. There is children involved. Um, but it was at the local science center, and um, this guy came out, and it's basically it's a theme about bubbles. They have bubbles all over the place. They have big bubble tubes you can play in. It's a big day of fun of bubbles. But the cool thing though is that they have a big bubble laser show. Well, I got sold out, so people who try to get tickets that day, they couldn't get tickets. I was smart to get it two days beforehand. That's what dads do. They make sure they get tickets to the Bubble Fest laser show. Dads out there, get tickets to the Bubble Fest laser show two days beforehand. <laughs> it sells out. Um, so this laser show, this guy was phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, I was blown the F away. I, I mean, he had lasers. I, I swear he should have been at Coachella. Wasn't Coachella this weekend or was it last yes, weekend? Yes, it was. It's Coachella it's- weekend is Easter weekend. It's also going to happen next weekend too. Yeah, but is it always on Easter weekend? It's all, well, Easter weekend moves. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, this guy should have been at Coachella. Oh, okay. This guy should have. This guy was had. He had lasers. He was controlling. He was like had. He had fog machines. This guy was phenomenal. I was like, Coachella need to hire this guy. <laughs> I, I this guy is ridiculous, but it was awesome. Great. Um, on on Saturday we ended up going Knott's Berry Farm. Took my daughter to the Boysenberry Festival. A bunch of boysenberry. Tried uh, boysenberry meatballs, boysenberry buffalo wings, boysenberry beer, boysenberry wine, boysenberry ravioli. You know what, Lonnie? I didn't think... I had no idea what boysenberry tastes like before I went to the festival. I'm a fan. I'm not. Just not the fact... I I haven't even tasted any of this stuff, (laughs) but the fact that there's so many different versions of, of boysenberry... I, I don't know. Yeah. Loved it. And you know, I noticed something this week. When you're a father, and for those fathers out there, they're listening. Um, but the days we used to go to amusement park and ride all the scary rides and like go on the roller coasters and do. You don't do that anymore when your father got a kid. You go to the small kitty tot rides. 
um, my wife and I kept looking at the big rides in Envy because we had no <laughs> we, we had no mother in law to watch our kid. So we were gonna do the the, the parent swap thing and ride on the ride by ourselves. We just didn't go there though. No, Lonnie, we we could not bring ourselves to do that. So we made this day about her and took her out, and so she had a great time. That's all that really matters. That that's really really cool. And then lastly, on Sunday, I had a lazy Easter Sunday. My wife allowed me to veg out on the couch, watch some NBA playoff uh, games. Uh, my wife took my daughter to Disneyland and then took her to a um, to a, uh, a egg hunting event. Um, actually, just egg hunting with my niece and my daughter that's it just them two <laughs> had a good time and then they went to church mm. yeah and someone and little boy kicked my daughter at church that's not what church is all about <laughs> it's not what church is all about. they have a kid's room that's amazing um and my wife left my daughter there to play with the other kids and little boy kicked her in the shin all right so just so everyone knows little boy we're out there we're looking for you we're gonna find you we're gonna find you no, we found we we know my 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 wife Snapchatted. Oh, so he's already been eliminated. <laughs> he's already Perfect. Been. <laughs> good. All right, so he took that kid out. He's gone. My um, my wife says, "Show me who did it." My daughter went straight up to him and pointed <laughs> him. He did it, mom. He did it. My daughter, she needs to she needs to know that you don't snitches get stitches. <laughs> I gotta teach her that she cannot. That she can't just throw rats like that. Yeah, like, instill that into her really really quickly. Let her know. I'm glad I know that. Who did it? Who the perpetrator was? But well, for the future, don't don't yeah, never write anybody out. Apparently, because what what I need to do in the future is she does that. I should say thank you, honey, and then immediately turn to her and say, next time you do that, I'm gonna punch you. <laughs> next time you rat someone out like that, I'm gonna punch you. I sure hope that everyone knows we're joking. The child who perpetrated it, he's still alive. <laughs> At least I think. Because this is not my story. I don't know. No. And also, he's not really going to hit his his daughter for anything. This is these are jokes. So that's my Easter weekend, Lonnie. Perfect, perfect. I'll clean. Go clean. Mine was also clean. <laughs> it was. It was. No, this is absolutely, I think, true. It all depends on your perspective. But so a friend of mine, one of my really, really good friends, she was like, hey, dude, um, I haven't seen you or my other friend in a while. We should all hang out. We'll go down to Orange County and we can all hang out, get drinks or what have you. And I was like, sure, that sounds like a lot of fun. And then she was like, okay, well, look up some places that we can go. And I was looking around. I found a couple places, and she didn't really feel too comfortable with any of those places. She lives in L.A., like deeper L.A. And then eventually she was like, how about Mrs. Fish in L.A.? And I was like, sure, that sounds cool. I've been there before. I actually was there for New Year's. It sounded like a lot of fun. We'll go there. And then something weird happened. I'm waiting around for the time for me to actually get going, to go down to L.A., to go to Mrs. Fish, and I get a text from my other friend. And my friend was like, dude. I'm like, dude, this is exactly how the text went. He's all, remember that one girl when we were all hanging out for um, WrestleMania? And I was like, yeah. Well, she's sitting right here next to me, and she's like, dude, your friend Jelani's super hot. And I was like, I was like, what? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, was it the, the, the young girl that I thought was hot? And he was like, yeah, that girl. I was like, Okay, and I was like, you know what though? I made a promise to my friend. Oh, you're such. And a good so, guy. and so, I said no to that, and went out and hung out with my friend, and went to LA. That's what I did. So that's oh. the first portion of it, which is basically saying no, being a good person, and saying no to my base instincts, mm-hmm. carnal like, instincts. Yes, exactly, exactly. Say no. Anyway, so we get to Mrs. Fish. 
But while we're at Mrs. Fish, well, while I'm waiting for my friends to show up with Mrs. Fish, I see a man on the street. Don't believe that this man had what you would call typically a a traditional shelter. I wouldn't say a, a, a home that you can always go to. The man didn't, he was homeless. That's based on what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay. So this man, he comes over to me and he's like, hey, how you doing, man? I'm like, hey, how you doing, bro? We're just talking for a little while. And then he's like, you know, asked if I had any change or anything. Well, actually, he kind of like shook his little cup a little bit. I was like, oh, man, you know, I actually don't have any change. And then this is when he started to impress me. He said, I'm not, I'm not looking for any change. I was like, oh, okay. Looking for a hundred dollars, I was like, "Oh!" oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I was like, "I was like, man, I don't got a hundred dollars." How you keep looking at me to find something? You exactly. Find a hundred dollars? You're not gonna find it. Not gonna find it right here, bro. I pull out my little money clip. I was like, "I don't have any cash at all." And then wait, wait, you had to. You want to show him that you had no money? I do that typically. I actually typically, I typically will say, you know, you don't got an ATM machine. I can't do anything for you. I do that all the time. I don't know what it is. It's, it's my go-to <laughs> shut people down, shut people down movie. I am literally showing you a money clip. Exactly. Like, this is nothing that you can use right now. Because that's a difference. I will pull out my wad of 20s in my clip and say, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have money for you, sir. So you will flaunt it in front of them and say you don't got anything. You're a terrible person. Anyway... So this guy, so bold, after I show him the fact that I have no cash on me, he points right down the street to a place where I can actually see from where I am. He's like, an ATM machine right there. He said that to me. No. <laughs> he did. No. I'm, that's why. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Get you in trouble. You give him oh, out. Everyone has the ATM card. He could have got that anyway. doesn't really matter. Anyway, though, so we're sitting there for a second more, and I was like, I can't. Man, I'm waiting for my friends. And we're just chilling, still chilling there. And this old man... Is he a, just waiting for his money? No, no, no. He, we're just kind of talking a little bit. Okay. But he pulls... The, he has a portable DVD player. Oh. All right? He pulls out a portable DVD player, and he opens it up. I'm like, what is he going to do? I'm like, looking around, just hanging out or whatever. And he presses play. He presses play, and a porn comes up. Oh, what? You know, look at that right there, boy. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> what he says. I'm like, man, close that. We're in the street. We're in the street. Close that up. Wait, he went from asking you for money to show me porn. To just like, yo, let me pull out my portable. Who has a portable DVD player? I can't I, even find one if I wanted one. They don't sell those anymore. Because he has them. That's why. He has them all. Oh, so I was like, okay. I was like, this is ridiculous. He closes up. He's obviously playing, man. All right, I'm out of here. God bless you. I'm like, all right, cool. He starts walking. And I don't know what actually happened to me, but I'm sitting there for a second oh or more. God. And I'm like, I'm going to give this guy some money. You're going to give him money. So he starts walking down the street okay. and he's going and I just, start, I book it across the street to that ATM, pull out a 20, can't find him for a second, see him down the street, ran over to him, said, here man, gave him $20 and he was like, oh man, thank you, thank you, gave me a high five and walked away. Now, even though I was a very nice person and I did give him $20 and did not know this guy. Immediately when I walked inside of Mrs. Fish, I'm going to admit I washed my hands immediately. That's just, <laughs> I did that. He gave me the high five. And I was like, oh, you know what? Let's just stay clean. That's, all, that's fine. That's, that's all I was. But, yeah. but that was that. my good deed for the day. And then we went to Mrs. Fish. And the Mrs. Fish part is actually not the least important because we are having fun, talking about whatever, eating sushi, drinking um, egg white infused drinks. I had what was called the Touch of Buddha, I think it was called. It was pretty delicious. And that was that, that was basically my night. And that was really yeah, for as far as Easter, I don't know what happened. I don't I don't know what happened. I could have been playing video games or I don't know what happened. I never knew what happened. That was my that was my weekend. See? See, no debauchery. In fact, I was I became a giving person to randos. I gotta tell you, you are one or two bad decisions away from it being a crazy weekend. 
You think so? I could have seen if you would have just pivoted one or two other ways. That's a wrap, son. I see what you're talking about, actually. I love it. There's a couple of different like lefts when I made a right. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Th- throughout that, the whole story. Throughout <laughs> the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. The combination. Yeah. Because because I could have thought about if you would have said yes to that girl. Uh huh. What night could have? Yeah. What? Have what, what? You don't know this girl. Yeah, I don't know this girl. Okay. The dude who asked you for the money, you I, know, he could not have responded the same way. Yeah. He could have said, "Now give me some more money." All all kinds of stuff could have happened. Mm-hmm. So that's just me, folks, living on the edge. Yeah. All the time. Good story. And with that said, let's go ahead and jump into our next segment, your segment. Even though this time it's a little interesting for me as well, let's go into those pros in different area codes. I don't want to take too much time to talk about uh, the sports because I know that's that's not what we're here to talk about the whole time of sports, even though I could talk sports on my own podcast. Um, I do want to talk about something that just came in the news today. There was a... Uh, did you hear about Aaron Hernandez, the guy who uh, committed suicide, the football player? Yes, I did. So I just want to give folks background. Aaron Hernandez, back in 2013, was actually convicted of killing... Um, uh, Odin Loy. Um, that's actually what's his. It was actually his sister's boyfriend, and he killed him. He was charged with first degree murder. He's serving a life sentence. Well, Aaron Hernandez just um, last night they found him. He had committed suicide, but the but so he was in prison for serving a life sentence, and he decided to commit suicide. But two days ago, he was actually was uh he was actually uh, uh he was actually up for another for another dual murder that had some sort of connection with it. Um, but he was found not guilty on that. And that kind of sparked a conversation of like, and maybe even hope that, hey, maybe Aaron Hernandez didn't kill the first guy because um, he didn't kill these first two people. And so there was kind of like the thought, the narrative was that there was this kind of glimmer of hope that maybe Aaron Hernandez didn't kill him either. My friends and stuff I read said the guy did it. He still killed him. But he committed suicide today. He actually hung himself um, and actually blocked. Uh, he actually blocked the door so guards couldn't come in. They tried to resuscitate him, but he died. So um, he was a he could have been a great athlete. At, uh, he played for New England Patriots, but he passed away today. That was dark. It was very dark. Yeah, and I'm going to just somehow try to lighten that up <laughs> by asking you somehow some way to Patrick tell me why don't you know this why don't you know why don't you know that was my best bet in trying to clean that up trying to bring some light <laughs> you was brought, it grim was you, it grim you brought that all the way down did it the room actually is darker it's, it's a bad it's a sad story for the guy you're right why are we both wearing black that's just a coincidence it is very much so but okay so why don't you know this Lonnie you okay, want to start first? No, no, no. Actually, I want you know, because last time I, I, I think I started first. Last no, 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 no. I actually, cause I, I do the oh, editing. Yes, yes. I did. know did. that yes. I did the first one last time. Okay. So, so you want me to go first? I am ready for you to go first. Okay. Um. God, you've been getting them right the last couple times too. Well, not just the last time, but and you did, and you did too, also. So I mean, I mean, okay. kudos to you as well. Um. This may be a little too complex for you, but Lonnie, what is a DNP 
CD referring to in basketball? All right. So just to give you guys a little peek behind the curtain, we have notes, obviously, that we, we follow along with, you know, to, to go to the show, you know, to have the show go in order. Outline, and kind of, of course. Exactly. The outline is obviously there. And I'm looking at the question. And this whole time, I'm like, that's just letters. That's just fucking letters. And so right in front of you, on tape, on air, that's just fucking letters. What the fuck are you talking about? DMP CD? What does that mean? Okay, so... Do not pass the CD? Do not pass chill dogs? What? It's basketball, okay? so it's, Okay, so um, do not pass. Do not pass oh. the center divider. Sure. <laughs> you use traffic uh, objects to... To explain your definition, I made of this what acronym make sense to me. Basketball terminology. So I so this is a tough one. If you're talking about scale of like one being super easy and then ten being this like pretty much this question, this is on a ten. So I got to give you. You're that. so mad that I won one last time. You had to destroy me this time. Is what's going on? I know this is almost it's it's almost unfair, but but it, but it does have context to it, and I'll talk about it. By all means. Um, so a DNP dash CD is. Referred to in basketball when a coach decides not to play a healthy player or not play a player for a particular reason. It's do not, did not play coach's decision. So the reason why this isn't just random and it's just not some obscure basketball terminology that not even your average basketball fan will know is because have you heard of tanking in sports? I should have been down. I should have been another one. Messed it up. But um, it has context because I want to make sure that we're you know we're sort of fair, right? When we ask these things, that it has to be something that the average person should know or have some relation to, or like you would imagine. Hopefully, right? Um, Tanking has been a real big issue in the basketball association, the NBA, because um, healthy to be strategic and rest their players, coaches will sit star players. So you'll see D and P C D on a lot of roster sheets before games are supposed to start. In in um in football they have DNP CDs things like that too where they sit healthy players. There's a big controversy in particularly in basketball because uh, when people go and buy tickets for these games they expect to see these megastar players coming into town, and when you sit guys like LeBron James or like James Harden or Russell Westbrook when they're healthy doing it for your own agenda for your team's health quote unquote it affects people, and so DNP CDs are the worst things you can see. I understand now. Also, I want partial credit. Wow. Because my D and N were the right. I said do not or did not. No, you said do not. I'm not giving you part. I, 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 my N was not. My N was still not. It was no. an acronym. It was an acronym. Judges. Damn it. But that was a hard one, though. All right. But it does have context. I was like, maybe Jelani doesn't know. There's no way I knew. There's no maybe Jelani doesn't know. Jelani yeah. did not know. And, 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 and ta- okay, so I didn't explain tanking. So hold off. See how I gave you an out? I gave yeah. you an out. I'll put that back pocket. Everybody, look up tanking and get to me on the Instagram. <laughs> just, just, just DM me through our Instagram and then let me know what it is beforehand. All right, so Patrick. All right, I'm ready. All right, are you ready? Patrick, what's the tea and what happens when you spill it? Wait, what? When, it, when, it's, when the tea spills? The, well, first and foremost, what is the tea? Secondly, what happens when you spill it? Damn, this was not the obvious. Oh no, absolutely not. That's that's that that should be obvious. That's not the obvious. Um. Hmm. What is the tea? And if you spill it, is it a good thing or a bad thing? 
Usually when you spill something, it's not a good thing. Okay. Um, what's the tea? Is it a tea is like an alcoholic drink? <laughs> Are you that talking about spill it? And if it Long spills, Island iced tea? Did like, you talk about? When you spill it, it's like bad. I have no idea what, what the tea is. Okay, excellent. <laughs> when you spill it. All right, excellent, excellent. All right, let me go ahead and hit you and give you some. I'm gonna give you some context, some background. All right, this okay. the, this one actually though, this is fake. I bet this you. is not fake at all. Okay. All right, but this is actually way way older. This is not something super duper recent, but okay. it's definitely in prevalence right now. So tea is basically another word for gossip, and this actually came more in like gay communities for the most part as far as gay slang. Okay. And now it's prevailed its way into like like everybody kind of uses it. And you'll see that a real big meme that's attached to it is that that image of Kermit the Frog yes. sipping Lipton tea and saying it's none of my business. I mean, but he didn't why he said it's uh, none of my I business. I do know that I did see yes. that before. He oh, gives out right. he, yeah, he's so so when you have a situation where no, somebody's spilling yeah. the tea, they are giving juicy details like spill the tea. When you have the tea, you're keeping yeah. the information to yourself. Yes. So, so okay. It's gossip associated. So no, I did not. You okay. forgot it. You forgot it. No, it's not even I forgot it. I I didn't fully understand what it meant. So the only thing I referred, I seen that before was the Kermit the Frog meme with him sip sipping the tea, mm-hmm. and I took it as just like, you know, you guys go ahead and talk your ish. You know, I'm just here sipping my tea. But I didn't know that that's what it meant. Because when they put it in the meme, LeBron James reposted that Kermit the Frog. And that was, I think, when people were talking mad-ish about him. Mm. But it was like him. I thought he was thinking, oh, I'm just Kermit the Frog. You know, I'm above that type thing. But I didn't think it was what you interpreted. That's probably LeBron James using the meme the wrong way. Oh, is it? That's probably what that was. (laughs) I'm going to throw it out there as him just being incorrect. Got it. All right. Perfect. So next week, Jelani. <laughs> exactly. We will meet again. But that also I lost very well too. I gotta tell you, I've 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 asked my sister in law, and she's like a young hip, and like I asked her friend if they knew all the words, they all knew every word that you you meant that you yeah. said before. I'm not making this shit up, I know. Yeah, but I told my boss who thinks he's hip, some of that stuff, he's like that, 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 that's <laughs> what I, mean by that. I said, That's what I said. So I said. So and there's some folks who have learned had known uh, did not know any of what we were talking about. That's so, cool. I don't. That's that's really just like, cool. Well, psh, I know that's anything, cool. So. We're teaching everyone, the young youths, the people who don't know things about sports. Everybody learning some shit today. Uh, let's move into this next segment because I'm just the guy who's just moving segments along. Segment, 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 segment. The next one is that dirty pop. Dirty pop. All right, Jelani. So first topic in dirty pop. Do you use Venmo? I love Venmo. Jelani, tell the tell the people what is Venmo. Venmo is a uh, the best thing ever. Well, should I go into more detail? <laughs> yes, please. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I should go into more detail. Um, Venmo is essentially a app on your phone that allows you to pay people virtually, but you're actually really putting money into their bank account. So essentially, you would add the app, link up either your debit card or your account number into the app, and then Another friend of yours who also has Venmo, let's say that you're all at a party, you're all drinking or what have you, and then the bill comes up. One person would pay that bill, and then everyone else can Venmo them their portion of the bill. Or let's say that you're roommates, and I actually did this with my previous roommate of my own, and you have to pay, take care of bills for 
the house and you have to pay your portion. Venmo them that money. It's a situation where a lot of people don't have cash on them all the time. And in this day and age, people are just so digital. So it's just so much easier to just throw money right to them, type it in, send it to that person, and then straight away. I've had people where I go out and buy concert tickets for dates that I'm going on, things like that, and we'll just pay each other that way. It's just, it's it's incredible. And I, I, I don't know what we did before it. So that is Venmo. The reason why I bring that up is to obviously share the technology of Venmo. So I use it, use it quite a bit. Um, but there's a there's a pretty scary story that came out um, that actually had someone had their Venmo frauded. Right? There was this 30 year old developer in New York City. Uh, he woke up last February to a notification from Chase that there's a transfer of about twenty two thousand eight hundred dollars from his account uh, through Venmo, and it was pending. Uh, he tried to log into his Venmo. Uh, his password didn't work. Uh, when he hit reset, he found that a new device had been linked to his account and that a new email was added. Uh, many of the settings has been changed. His password was changed and nearly $3,000 was sent to an account he didn't recognize, none of which Venmo ever told him about. Um, now, since the account um, had been linked to his routing number and his, check, uh, and his checking account, he had to close out his checking account, losing access to his money until, of course, he could make a new one. Uh, or open up a new one. Uh, but to make matters worse, Ven- uh, Venmo didn't even respond to the guy's um, four emails until after you know a full day, like 24 hours. Um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I love Venmo. I just think that um, we have to be safe about how we use it. And we should keep some precautions, keep some things in mind. I did not know that. So please share that information. So here are some tips I think folks who use Venmo should really try to okay so first thing of all um make a strong password that's duh right duh make a strong password um but the thing about venmo is it actually it's pretty difficult to make you like log out of venmo you're you're always on venmo is always activated it's not easy just to sign off on it so there's a there's some security features that venmo has in there well while you're using the app you can actually set a pin for that session so that you have to enter it in leaving the app or letting the device go to sleep so it has to ask you your PIN number before you can even tap into it. So that's what you should do. Um, the second thing is, is there's set notifications for payment received, payment sent, bank transfers, Venmo completed, Venmo to bank transfer requested, login attempted, added or remembered a new device. Uh, you can set alerts for that stuff. Okay. Um, keep a small amount in there. Okay. Keep maybe 50 bucks in there. And disconnect your checking account. And if you need to deposit money, either do it and then disconnect it again. Like have it transfer the money that disconnected or just, you know, use your debit card and pay the 2% transaction fee. It gives you peace of mind of knowing that you're, you know, you're not, you know, you can't have fraud happen to your account. Because if you get cash from your account, like that's going to take the bank a few days to figure that stuff out. I mean, they will eventually and you won't, if something gets defrauded and it's proved that, um, then you'll get your money back. But that's just something you, you know, you should do. While Patrick was describing a lot of those security features because I got freaked out, I put them into my Venmo. Right now. Right now. So for those who have Venmo, I know a lot of folks use that. Hit rewind and listen to all the facts I just mentioned again because, um, you know, a lot of people use it. So take out that. If you have more than 50 bucks in it, take it out. You know, you really don't need that much money in it. So So, uh, what else? Because I have a dirty pop story, but you have these. These these deep ones talking about you know <laughs> technology and the and the the, the the fear of technology. Well, is it? It's important. This it is, is important. I'm just kidding. News. I'm giving you shit. It's this all right. New segments. People want to know this stuff, right? And 
Uber is back in the news again. It's not the news segment, but it's still, you know, uh, technology and culture. And so uh, Uber um, in New York, they're trying to allow Uber drivers to get tips. All of a sudden. Yeah, well, yesterday, tax officials in New York City introduced a proposal that would require Uber to allow passengers to tip their drivers. Uh, Uber app doesn't allow this to, to this process because they want to keep it, quote unquote, ha- uh, hassle free. Uh, but a group that represents thousands of NYC drivers for apps like Uber filed a petition saying the rule's not working for them. Uh, so they're saying they're losing out $1,000 in potential tips. Uh, so now officials in New York want to, you know, allow you to, you know, pay people with credit cards, uh, tips, that is. Um, the proposal would have to get a thumbs up from the New York Taxi Commission. But if it passes, man, a whole bunch of other states may pass the same thing. And I don't see why it's such a difficult thing to add on. Lyft already has it and it's not a hassle because it's integrated into the whole process so you just would be borrowing from their already existing user experience and mimicking that to do this same exact thing so i don't see how it's a hassle because you don't have to tip on lyft but you do most often times so jelani i don't i'm not a real huge aficionado of music I don't really know what the new albums are that come out. That's just not what I do. But somebody came up to me today at work. I said, Patrick. Damn. (laughs) Have you heard the new Kendrick album? And I was like, no, I don't. He has a new album. And you texted me earlier. Or you posted a Instagram or something. And you said, this Kendrick Lamar is just off the chain, on fire. Tell me why this Kendrick Lamar album is so fire. What's it about? Damn, which is the album's name. Damn. It's just damn with a period too. So it's like he, he had an emphasis. Damn with a period. It's um his newest album just came out. It's funny because like Kendrick Lamar is really, he's taken a lot of cues it seems like from Beyonce and the way her marketing goes about. Like it's a really smart marketing. So to give you a little background, um, late... Late March, um, Kendrick had a song called The Heart Part 4 that came out. And in The Heart Part 4, he has this line where he just started going off on different rappers. And people suspect he was talking about Drake and Big Sean and things like that. But the very last thing he says was, says is, y'all have till April the 7th to get your shit together. He says that. And everybody blew up like, oh, man, he's going to come out with a new album on April 7th. Everybody's just waiting and willing. Oh, goodness gracious, you know, waiting for that to happen. A week, maybe actually not even a week. Two or three days after that, he comes with the video for the, the single, Humble. And this single is his biggest um, single that he's had as a solo artist of all time. He's never had this big of a, of a showing on Billboard or anything as a solo artist with a single. And it just knocks. The song is just dope. And it has a really, really cool and visually interesting, and you have to check it out, visually interesting music video as well. And just doing all kinds of really crazy things that you would not expect in a music video. Like the imagery is like, what do you come up with this stuff? You know, is that on Spotify? It's on Spotify. Yes, absolutely on Spotify. Free streaming. But I'm saying, but the video you can see on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can watch the video on YouTube because you want to see the video as well. Um, anyway, but on April 7th, when everybody was expecting Damn to come out, it did not come out. Instead, on on Apple, um, on iTunes, it would just show the track listing. Wow. But they're all blank. They're building it up. Just building it up. And then they were saying on Twitter that actually it's going to come out on April 14th, which would be Good Friday. 
mm-hmm. resurrection type of situation. So even that was poured into it. Wow. All right. So the album finally comes out and everything about it is just like super, super crazy. It's like it has because Tendrick style is he has like that super raw beat and raw spitting and also he has soulful things as well so he'll go integrated and then the storytelling is really really deep the very last song called duckworth tells a story that nobody knew but it's super duper interesting it was a true story that actually has to do with how he even came to exist at all because basically what in the last song he's talking about the fact that his father used to work at a kfc and there was this dude named anthony down the street and he was going to rob this this kfc and the last time he did he shot somebody and I guess his father kind of knew that something might go down. So every single time this dude, Anthony, would come inside of the KFC, he would give him free food, like some extra chicken or a couple biscuits and all kinds of stuff like that. And eventually got to the point where if the robbery were to happen, he liked this dude, Ducky, which is his name. He liked to do Ducky and he wouldn't hurt him. Come to find out that if he actually did kill Ducky, then Kendrick would have grown up without a father because this dude Ducky was Kendrick's father. Wow. And on top of that, the dude Anthony, who would have killed Ducky, is actually this dude named Top Dog, who is Kendrick's record label manager. So <laughs> those, yeah, so, but you wouldn't know wow. that. And they never mentioned that ever at any album at all. He's had like five or six albums and no one's ever mentioned that until right now. He brings his whole thing up together. And it's like, it's mind blowing. And like, so wow. And it takes you on a journey. And all the titles are like just one word titles that have periods behind every single one of them. So there's love, lust, God, fear, triple X, humble, pride, Duckworth, which is the last one. And it just takes you on a journey and it's just, it's impressive. There's one called DNA and there's a brand new video that came out for it today. And it stars Kendrick Lamar, Kung Fu Kenny, and Don Cheadle randomly. And the video is cool for this one because what happens is for whatever reason, Kenny Kendrick Lamar possesses Don Cheadle and has him rapping as him. I'm going to show you this video afterwards. And on the very next Dirty Pop for next segment, next week, you're going to respond to that video. I'm, I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. That's not even my soapbox. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you, you jumped ahead. I was yeah, like, that's not even my soapbox. That soapbox coming that next. Good. That was good. I just, I went on Spotify and I just saved the album. So I'm going to listen to it. Excellent. You know, the gym or something. No, yeah. So the gym songs, there's a couple, not all the songs are gym songs. I'm going to make sure yeah. you get that by a gym playlist. So Humble, DNA. Well, even jogging, I mean, you know. Okay, then in that case, I'm have the whole jogging. thing. That, that's the whole thing. But just Tell Humble, DNA, like those things are really, really good as far as like pumping you up and getting you into like yeah. that, that beast mode you're looking for. Yeah, like you like the Beyonce one, Freedom. Yeah, well, that's on Beyonce's album though. But I'm saying that's that's yeah, one that you like. I do. It's on my it's on my workout that's playlist. Workout yeah. playlist. I'm just saying you don't have to be like bashful about it. I'm just saying, yeah. I work out to Beyonce. <laughs> just I work out to Beyonce. Let's get in the soapbox. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through to this place. Woo! All right, Lonnie. It's time. It's time. I'm gonna go first this time. You went first. Okay, because I'm lighter. I'm, I think a little bit lighter. I think I'm pretty light too, actually. I'm, okay. I'm, I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm we're easing in. Go ahead. I'm sure I'm light. Okay, this has been a problem for a hot minute of mine. Now I know that Facebook is not as popular as it used to be, but because of the fact that it's connected to all of our stuff, everyone probably still has one, even if we don't use it as actively as we used to. But every once in a while, when I do go on to Facebook, I notice people who still to this day do this, and it's super fucking annoying. When you make this humongous post talking about. Everybody who you're going to remove from your Facebook. 
You know, I'm tired of all y'all always in there. You got hating people all the time who are on. And I, some people you just realize are just not your friends. So in the next three hours, they got to give you a time frame and a countdown. In the next three hours, those people, <laughs> and, and y'all know who you are, y'all going to be removed from my life. Cause I don't need the negativity in my life. I was like, they do that. How are you going to make this big announcement about your Facebook cleansing? Who talk? Well, this is a cry for help. You just want somebody to know what's going on in your life. And and we don't even believe you most of the time. It's like, it's probably not going to affect me. The person who actually is probably going to be affected does not read your post. So the only person who sees this <laughs> is you yelling at me, talking about how it's about to happen. It's about to go down. You might, this is going to be the last time you ever hear from me. It's like, stop it. Just delete us or don't delete us. I'm just telling you right now. And if this situation where somebody who has been triggered by my soapbox and wants to delete me, I probably don't read your post anyway. Just, 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 just let you know. You know what ends up happening is the people who see the post are people who don't really know what the post's about. No, I know. <laughs> it's not meant for them. I, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's my whole point. Because like, look at it going, I don't, that's not, why is she so mad? Exactly. <laughs> what does she do? Because You want to the- messenger them and be like, hey man, like, you need a hug? You want to talk to you? Because you look, I didn't do none. You know, and then they put sad face, happy face, emoji, you know. I, I know. Yeah, it's so weird because like... <laughs> All this time, you've seen nothing but puppy dogs and marriage uh, pictures from this person. And then all of a sudden, this random post pops up saying, yeah. it's about to be over for all y'all. It's yeah. like, what are you talking about, bro? Yeah, I don't know. What happened? I just saw it at the office. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? We just had coffee. You told me that the whole, you were, we were kids on Easter. I told you how nice your hair looked. Oh. It looked really, really nice. Damn. No, no, that's that's pretty funny. I, you know, I agree with that. Um, so the next one. It's not something. It's not something that gets me angry. It just kind of annoys me. It's one thing that just kind of. It's a small tick, okay, Jelani. So I don't want to. I don't want people to think I'm not patriotic, and I don't think when when I tell you what I'm going to tell you, you'll you'll kind of understand why people could think that. Um, the national anthem. I love. I love our country. I love the national anthem. I love it. I. I. Jelani, it might. It might. Pre or prior. Pre. <laughs> in my. In my other jobs. <laughs> I actually had to go to a lot of um a lot of luncheons, a lot of like formal ceremonial events, and they always had national anthem. I don't care what it was; it could be a uh, could be a um school play, it could be a softball game. Everyone does national anthem. When the national anthem plays, everyone stands up, right? Takes off your hat, right? And many people put their hand over their heart. And if you don't put your hand over your heart, some people will give you the side eye. I just want to be clear about when the national anthem is played. You do not have to put your hand over your heart. Because I don't, Jelani. I don't put my hand over my heart because that's not what's appropriate. I mean, no, I guess it's appropriate, but that's not what I feel like doing. When it's a pledge of allegiance, I put my hand over my heart. So I will stand my hands on the side of my thing, and I will just embrace the song. But there are some people out there, Lonnie, who they put their hands proudly on their heart, look at me in a little disdain. So I want to tell those people that nowhere does it say that you have to put your hand over your heart during the national anthem. Sometimes I feel compelled to put my hand over my heart because I feel like guilted. But then I say to myself, you know what? It's not necessary. Not necessary. Don't let them guilt you. I don't do it either. 
Just, just to let you know, I don't do it either. You don't do it either. Mm-mm. I'll stand up just because the fact like I don't be like the guy sitting down, but I'm like, <laughs> I don't do it. You don't do it. Good. I don't do it. I don't feel as bad. It's. I mean, it's not that. I mean, pride in your country and all kind of stuff is like it's not that big of a deal. But it, it's a song or it's a flag. I mean, and I like I said, I also love this country. But it's like there are things that you can do if you want to do them. Absolutely. But if we're talking about the situation where this being freedom, then it is freedom. It's like. You can go to the other country where they force you to do certain things and they'll kill you if you don't. It's like, no, it's like, that's freedom. Either way. Yeah, you're nay. Very true. Do what you want to do. Well, Lonnie, this was a long episode. But was it the Black Tie Affair? It was. That's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening week after week. We'll be back. Yes, we will. Um, By the way, we're on iTunes now. So if you hear us on iTunes, rate us five stars. We're on everything basically now, it seems like itunes stitcher soundcloud google music we're working on we're working on that that one too but we got itunes yeah and you everyone can, out there has an iphone it, right yeah seems like it seems like it so come out there find us find us talk to us we are looking to hear from all of you and with that said mahalo peace